Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath. In this week's Trending News EU episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamics' Peter Stevens and Ollie May to talk about what's trending now. Ollie, I'm interested in hearing what headlines have you been following lately? Hi, Mindy. It's been a real moment of change in the UK at the moment. We've had, as I'm sure you know, a change in monarchy. And within a day, we also had a new government. So this has included a new prime minister and also a completely new cabinet in the UK. And it's really been characterized by slashes in tax rates across the board. So the new chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, has been in the limelight over the last couple of weeks. But as I said, we also have a whole new cabinet, and that includes Theresa Coffey as the new health secretary. So Theresa Coffey, our new health secretary and also deputy prime minister, has recently unveiled a new plan for patients. Now, this is something that's aimed at increasing staffing levels, easing pressure on GP surgeries and reducing some of the record ambulance waiting times that we've been seeing of late. A few of the things in the plan that kind of had caught my eye were that we'd seen a commitment for 7,000 additional hospital beds for the winter as demand ramps up with poorer weather, and etc. Increasing the number of 999 uh, emergency call handlers that we have. And then a £500 million social care discharge fund that aims to try and speed up the rate at which patients are discharged from hospital care settings. There's also news about a £15 million overseas recruitment fund and easing pressure on GPs by expanding the role of pharmacies. Potentially one of the more interesting things, there was a measure announced about changing the pension rules to try and retain some of the more experienced senior clinicians and exploring how they can strengthen the use of volunteers within the health service, including to support ambulance services. Peter, that's a considerable amount of activity associated with the healthcare system. I'm wondering what has been the reaction thus far in such a short period of time? Mindy, I think it's fair to say the reaction has been pretty mixed. The new health plan has been criticized by some as being a short-term fix to some of the problems with the NHS. So the NHS always comes under significant stress over winter, and clearly coffee is trying to address some of that. But I think the question on everyone's lips at the moment is how is this going to be funded? So this is within the context of tax rates cutting. We're providing more money for the NHS. And inflation as well is having a huge impact on the NHS's budget at the moment. So we have an inflation rate in the UK at the moment of around 10%. So the real, real funding is really under pressure at the moment. And Peter, I know that you mentioned a couple of measures to try and tackle the, the workforce gap. I mean, this is obviously one of the problems that we hear a lot about in the UK at the moment in regards to the NHS. I think we have in, in England about 130,000 vacancies. So obviously she's trying to keep doctors working for longer. I think you mentioned a fund to attract overseas talent. But this is a problem across the economy. We have this with lorry drivers, with taxi drivers, as well as with nurses and doctors and a real sh shortage of staff. And I think the, the risk and, and the, the, the ultimate impact, unfortunately, could be an impact on, on patient outcomes. One of the things that we've also seen uh, news of recently is the potential for um, a strike 
within nurses on relation to pay. And as a bit of context, it's quite a, quite a historic moment, actually. For the first time in the 106 years of the Royal College of Nursing, the RCN, it's actually balloting its members and recommending that they vote in favour of a strike. The ballot closes on the 2nd of November, and it's, it's all focused on a proposed 5% rise in pay, which is significantly below that 10% rate of inflation that you mentioned. We've seen a lot of challenges within staffing across the NHS. We've seen nurses leaving for better paid jobs in hospitality due to the cost of living challenges. According to NHS providers, 68% of trusts are seeing significant or a severe impact with staff leaving for other sectors. Indeed, this may be first of many, with junior doctors, physiotherapists, and some other healthcare workers also threatening potential strike action. Particularly challenging and, and worrisome as we head into winter with the spectre of COVID rearing its head, with case numbers on the rise, and the ever-increasing cost to heat and power our homes with the cost of living crisis. In more positive news, a new experimental drug for patients has been developed, offering new hope for those suffering from Alzheimer's disease. So this really is a historic moment for Alzheimer's. And also, you know, as we discussed, Alzheimer's is, is a huge burden on the NHS as well. So really hoping that there'll be positive impacts of this. Alzheimer's affects hundreds of thousands of patients across the UK, millions throughout Europe. What we've seen in the last month or so, Mindy, is an experimental drug has slowed the rate of decline in memory. And this really is, as I said, historic, because this is the first time that we've had a drug be tested that has actually altered the course of the disease. So this, this drug is a monoclonal antibody. It's called lecanemab, and it's developed by IC and Biogen. And as I say, in their phase three trials, the patients that received the treatment saw a 25% reduction in cognitive decline. Now that was over 18 months. There's still plenty of questions around it. The way the drug works is it is researchers noticed that in Alzheimer's patients' brains, there were clumps of proteins building up and this drug seeks to remove those. So as I said, 25% might not sound like a lot, but it really is the first time that we've had a drug alter the trajectory of the disease. Ollie, this is a pretty huge breakthrough in the field of Alzheimer's. I think I've seen in the uh, phase three study that it was in 1,800 patients, but obviously there are still plenty of challenges before we start seeing it in clinical use. I think we're still waiting on detailed data from the clinical study trials on the Alzheimer's Congress in November. The size of the effect of around a quarter reduction in cognitive decline I guess is relatively modest, and we don't know yet whether that effect increases over time. I think it was a, there was an indication that you need to diagnose patients early uh, to get the greatest benefit from the treatment as well. Of course, as with all new treatments, we, we're yet to understand fully the safety profile and side effects. And maybe to bring it back to a bit of a UK-Europe lens, if approved, of course, there's, a, there's always going to be the cost and reimbursement challenge being a new drug in the field. As far as the UK goes, in terms of the cost of Alzheimer's that we see, it's estimated at £34.7 billion a year in terms of uh, treating and caring for those patients. So indeed, there is a compelling case maybe to be made for bringing treatments such as this through to market. It is promising news given how many people this impacts both in Europe and around the world. And honestly, the, the dearth of innovation and treatments that we've seen over the course of a decade, there really has been nothing brought to the market that has helped Alzheimer's patients. 
I think we're all looking at this and waiting with a little bit of a bated breath to see how this translates into market use. Ali, another hot topic that is costing health systems billions is air pollution, which has been gaining traction in Europe. What headlines have you been following around this topic? Really interestingly, I actually saw a Harvard review that was suggesting a causation between Alzheimer's and air pollution. So definitely linked topics and, and ones that are having huge impacts across Europe. In the last couple of months in Germany, the government has been sued by a group of citizens for the first time over air pollution. Now, this came after the European Union said that this was a fair, fair claim. And these individuals are from four German cities. And in these cities, air pollution is four to five times the World Health Organization safe limit. And this is seen as a, a silent killer across Europe, but also across the world, having huge impacts on our health systems, especially in terms of COP, which is one of the largest causes of death around the world. And really, this pressure that is being put on the German government should see a, a shift from treating diseases once they've happened to preventative care. And how can we stop people from getting COPD in the first place? Now, Ollie, we're sitting in the UK and Mindy in the US, both extremely wealthy countries by and large. And I was sort of interested in touching maybe on the kind of health equity angle, because we know that pollution disproportionately affects those least wealthy in society. But what have we seen happening in the UK, maybe on a kind of more granular level? So the UK government has been sued before over air pollution and has lost. So Peter, you mentioned health equity, and this can have impacts not only in the UK, but all over the world. And as I'm sure you can imagine in some manufacturing heavy economies, like in Asia and Africa, air pollution can be even worse than here in the UK. And in other countries in Europe, we're seeing the same as what's happened in Germany. So the French government has already been fined millions of euros. And this is really a shift in citizens forcing governments to take account for the environment that they're having to live in, and then the knock-on health impacts that that is having. Recently, we've seen a few measures released around the world, but maybe diving into the UK, I think we've, we've recently seen the publication of the Clean Air Strategy which includes a, a, a number of measures kind of aimed at tackling this challenge. For example, the government is hoping to halve the number of people living in areas that are above the World Health Organization air pollution safe limits. They're looking to end the sale of more polluting petrol and diesel cars by the end of 2040. And there should be no diesel trains by 2040 either. So Peter, the government, exactly as you say, is doing something I guess the criticism would be, well, there's still half of those people living in areas that are above the safe limit. And also, I think when you see a 2040 date, your initial reaction is, well, I'm living in this now. What is the health impact between now and 2040? As we touched on right at the start, our health systems are under huge pressure. So how can we improve health of the whole population and of individuals whilst also taking some of that burden off our systems? Right, Nolly, 2040 seems like a far horizon but we know it it really does take time to make this kind of change this is not easy change it extends beyond the healthcare system into other systems within the country so i understand why the criticism is there but i think there's a pragmatism to how this change is going to have to pace 
in order to really reach these goals that that are lofty. I think this is a shift towards a more holistic view of health and the more interconnected world we're living in, where in today's age, you can't just look at someone that's in hospital and the, and the illness that they have, where we're starting to have a more connected view and see what is the environment they were in, what are the other elements of, of our society that they're interacting with, and taking this more advanced approach to dealing with healthcare. As we know, the only constant in the healthcare industry is change, and I look forward to hearing what we're talking about in the next episode next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit trendinghealth.com.